Take your Bibles, please, this morning and find for me the, in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. We're going to be in chapter 6 right there if you'll be turning there in your Bibles. You know, I believe with all my heart that God's plan for my life, God's plan for His church, is to focus on seeing men and women, boys and girls, come to faith in Jesus Christ and grow in our most holy faith. I think that's who we are. I think that's, that's what we're about. That's our game plan. That's our marching orders. That's everything. And we've encapsulated that in our vision statement, as you remember, that we believe that we exist to bring glory to God by attracting and winning people to faith in Jesus Christ, by nurturing them in our Christian family, by bringing them to Christ-like maturity, and then involving them in meaningful ministry. That's who we are. That's what we are about. And that's why it's so important that we have made reaching lost and unchurched people the point of our sphere. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is something that's, that's always been part of our lives, but it's something that, is, uh, that, that we're putting the point back on. We're sharpening the point back on. And it has a lot to do with uh, me going through some heart surgery and the Lord rekindling fire underneath me and uh, reclaiming the point of the spear in my own life. But the point of the spear, the reason we're here, is reaching lost and unchurched people for the cause of Jesus Christ. The head of that spear is reaching specifically families that have children still at home. Do you know the face of families has changed dramatically just in the last couple of decades? The number of single-parent homes, okay? Uh, the number of homes where children are back at home, they've been off at college or whatever, and they're 22, 24, 26, whatever, they're still back at home. The incredible number of people, uh, grandparents, who are raising grandchildren. The face of families has greatly, greatly changed. And, and our, our love and our desire and our outreach for these families continue to grow as well. One of our Sunday school teachers, very much in favor of everything that we're seeking to do, but he asked me a question. He said, Brother Fred, what is the biblical mandate? What, what, what does the Bible have to say about that? Now, he wasn't saying that in a negative kind of way, a challenging way. He was asking, really wanting to know. And after I, I spent some time thinking about that, I told him, I said, listen, hold off. I'm just going to tell everybody at the same time. So the message this morning really revolves around why from a biblical perspective as well as other perspectives, we are making this the head of our spear, okay? Uh, the, his very question presupposes two things. First of all, it presupposes that your pastor will have a biblical base for things. I want you to presuppose that, okay? I want you to think that we're not going to be doing anything that's not soundly founded on the Word of God. But secondly, he presupposes this is something we'd already thought out. And we'd already went to the Word of God, and we'd already went to the uh, Holy Spirit, saying, what is the reason for this? So, reaching out to families with children still at home. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean, and let me tell you what it means. First of all, and, and I'm kind of embarrassed that I even need to say this, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean we're only going to be reaching out to families with children, Okay? You know, I, I've heard it said, well, we're not going to go after senior adults anymore. We're not going to go after just uh, couples, you know, that don't have children at home or singles or whatever. We're just going after family. That's never been said. What's the point of the spear? 
the point is reaching people who are lost and unchurched. That's all ages, folks. That's all ages, okay? But what we're recognizing, for reasons I'm going to share with you a little later, is that targeting families is soundly biblical, greatly strategic, it's hugely, hugely necessary, especially where we live right now. So what do we mean by that? We mean that we're recognizing that right here where we are in Union County, we are continuing to be wonderfully flooded with families with children still at home. And we need to be positioned, and we need to be aware, and we need to be praying, and we need to be sharing the gospel in our stories, targeting these wonderful folks and bringing them to faith in Christ. So why are we doing this? First of all, let's talk biblically. Okay? It is a model, a biblical model. So that's the first thing in your notes. It's modeled biblically. Family is God's idea. Would you agree with me with that? We don't have to take a vote on that. We can all agree on that. Family is God's idea. And part of what the Scripture tells us that He said to the original family, Adam and Eve, He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Okay? That has something to do with having kids. Alright? That has something to do... God's plan for His relationship with mankind has always revolved around family. That has been, a, it's a biblical model. He created the family to accomplish His purpose for mankind, to spread the gospel, to spread His rule over all families, over all of the earth. He, he targeted the family, He designed the family, listen, to do battle against the enemy of our souls, Satan. He designed the family specifically to do battle against the one who... Why, have you ever thought why in the world Satan focuses on families? It's because that's God's most precious idea. It's His most precious idea, the whole concept of family. You want to see the picture in the Bible of God's relationship with His people. He is the husband and His people are His bride. That's family. Okay? Family is God's idea, and it's one of the reasons Satan hates it so much and wants to do everything he can to tear families apart, to tear the family of God apart, because it's so much God's idea. He used Noah and his family in the saving of the world. He made his promise of blessing to Abraham and all of his descendants. What are they? His family. That by them, through them, that there would come a day, and it's told about in Revelation 5 and also 7, when people from every tribe and nation will gather together around the throne of God singing His praises. It's because of, of, of families. This is no minor theme in Scripture. It's always been God's plan. God's plan to take His influence who He is, His holy history of dealing with man and infusing it through family. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You got that? Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a prayer that every devoted Jew prays every morning when they rise. It's, I introduced it to you several weeks ago. It's called the Shema. Okay? And because Shema is the word that means hear. 
Behold, listen, pay attention. That's what the word means. And so this is just referred to as the Shema. And, and read with me, if you will, in, in Deuteronomy 6, beginning with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And look at this. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Look here. Are you looking? And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and gates. The head of the family was to make it a point, day in, day out, taking the children, the family aside, and telling them about the Lord. Family. God's plan is for the head of that family. Listen up, guys. The father. Gather those children together. Let me tell you what God has done for His people. Families. In, in the, the Passover meal. The Seder. When you sit Seder, when you do a Passover meal, we get all prepared. And you're all ready for it to begin. Do you know how Seder begins? The youngest child present will ask the presiding patriarch, the father, the grandfather, whoever it may be, will say these words, Father, why is this night different from every other night? And then the father will begin to share the story of God's intervention, how he saved families in Egypt when death came. And it's remembered in the family. I tell you, family is no minor theme in Scripture. And reaching families is no minor theme. Let's go to the New Testament for a moment. Just a, just a couple. I, I want you to be turning to Acts 16. But I'm going to be talking about Luke 19 right now. You turn, turn to Acts 16. We were looking at the story of Zacchaeus a couple of weeks ago. Remember? How, how Jesus came and found Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree. Called him down and went to his house that day. Remember? But let me remind you how that story came to its conclusion in verse 9 and 10. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today salvation has come to this house. To this house. The whole family is who Jesus came after. He knew something. Jesus knew something. And He knows this today. If He captured the heart of Zacchaeus, if he captured the heart of the Father, he would have the family. Listen, folks. Unapologetically, we go after heads of families. Unashamedly, we go after men. Because we know when, when God has a man's heart, his family is more than likely to fall right in line. He knows this. And, and it says right here, it wasn't just Zacchaeus, you and your house. Let's look at it more clearly. The next week we looked in, at the Philippian jailer that we read about in Acts chapter 16. 
and how after the earthquake and he was going to fall on his sword and take his life, uh, 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 Paul and Silas cried out to him, do yourself no harm, we're all here, remember? But, but I, wanted, I want you to look at Acts chapter 16 and begin with verse 31. Acts 16, 31. It says, so they said, Paul and Silas said to him, he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. What does it say next? And your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to them and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour and that very night they washed their streets, but immediately all of his family was baptized. Paul, Paul and Silas were not just after the jailer. Holy Spirit was not just after the individual. He was targeting the household. The whole household. Everybody there. And he, they, and he knew. When the Father... Let the Father fall in love with Jesus. And that family is going to be incredibly impacted. Now ladies, I, I in no way am I devaluating your, wor your, your worth and your role in the family. But you mature spiritual ladies, you'll agree with me how blessed a home is to have the man as the head of that home spiritually. Yes. It doesn't devalue your position. If anything, it's an answer to your prayers. Yes, yes. And when this happens, Malachi chapter 5 says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike this earth with a curse. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. When men especially turn their heart over to the Lord Jesus Christ and their family's father. Well, we can go on and on. Uh, Cornelius in, in, in Acts chapter 10. He and his whole family were saved. Here's what I want you to see. Targeting families is something that the Holy Spirit of God does. Why would we not? Why would we not focus on families with children especially? when we have this incredible opportunity. So it's modeled biblically. Secondly, I want you to see it's important strategically. It's important strategically. As, as we open 2 Timothy chapter 1, we hear Paul uh, talking to young Timothy, and what is he doing? He is commending Timothy. Why? Because his mama and his grandmama were devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and that impacted Timothy so much that Timothy not only gave his heart to the Lord, he was one of Paul's best right-hand men. Family, it's strategic. It is strategic. Let me tell you, folks, the greatest testimony I hear week after week, by the way, if you weren't here last Sunday night, you missed a tremendous night. We had testimony night. There were, I think, 16 different ones that shared. We're going to do this again. But we had about 16 different people that just voluntarily shared. I didn't, I didn't ask anybody particularly, except Holy Spirit. <laughs> I didn't want to hear crickets in the room. Wonderful, wonderful night of people sharing how God had come to them. But you know the testimony I love to hear? As, as much as I love this dynamic testimony of this young man, 
who, who found the Lord in this wonderful way through the Gideon Bible. You, you know the testimony I love? It's not the testimony I have. The testimony I love is those who say, my mom and daddy love the Lord. They went to church every week. They saw to it that I was in church every week, that I heard the Word of God. And for me, when I embraced the Lord, I was embracing something that my whole family engaged in. That's the testimonies I love to hear. You know, I, it's so wonderful that people don't have to be drugged through some of the mud and the grime that I came through. And, and, and listen, that's the precious testimony. I love the testimony of my boys much more than I love my own. When they share how they saw the love of Jesus in their daddy and their mama and all of the church they were engaged in and how embracing the Lord was just a natural thing for them to do. That's dynamic, folks. It's strategic to reach children in these families. Let me tell you, it doesn't always work out. You can be a godly parent, you can be godly parents, and you still have problems with your young ones, okay? I want you to tell you, God was the most perfect parent there's ever been. And both of his kids ran astray. I want you to understand how that works, all right? And we're still paying for that one, by the way. Keep in mind, you stack the deck in the favor of the Almighty, but there's no guarantees in this. There's just not. Think biblically about families. It is strategic. Now, I understand that people have to be saved individually. Yes. You have to individually make up your mind to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You have to individually surrender your life to Him. I understand it all has to be individual. But folks, there is inherent power when that individual is part of a family system. Okay? Uh, my, my aunt was the only Christian in our family that I knew anything about. And then with her wonderful prayers and, and, and guidance, I, I came to faith in Christ. And another cousin of mine about the same time came to faith in Christ. And it became our regular habit every time we would gather together for big family gatherings that we would all find ways to talk about the Lord. Though my family is scattered now over I don't know how many different states, to the best of my knowledge, every member of my family is engaged in church somewhere this morning. And it's because we targeted our family. Listen, I need to ask a question to you. Do you love your family well enough to do whatever it takes to hear them, get them hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen, if you're not concerned about your own family, you're likely not going to be concerned about other people's family around you either. Is it with passion that you tell them what Jesus has done in your life? And encourage them. And this isn't something that just happens one time. It takes multiple times. And years and years and years. We have done a bit of a disservice. In our mission work. Because we've taken this western idea. Of salvation being so individualistic. And pulling it out of families. That as we have sent missionaries onto the field. They have, have used this policy of winning individuals to faith in Christ. What happens many times in those cultures is those individuals get shunned and they lose their power to impact the family. And in recent years, our missionaries have saw this, this distinction and they say, no, we're going after whole families. 
And we know we'll find one person first. But when we find that one person, that person becomes the catalyst to see a whole family come to faith in Christ. Why? Because it's strategic. It's not only biblical, it's strategic. But let me give you another reason. It's imperative to win kids to faith in Christ before they get to be 18 years of age. The statistics abound. How difficult it is to win somebody to faith in Christ after they hit the age of 18 to 21. Really. Let me do an unofficial poll this morning. Let me ask you a question. If you came to faith in Jesus Christ before you were 18 years of age, will you stand up? Just, just stand up. Before 18, stand up. Will you look around for a minute? Look! Look! This by itself is proof of what I'm saying. Be seated. Now, bless God for all the rest of you. God got you as soon as you'd let Him, all right? <laughs> but what does this tell us? The imperative of reaching our children at an early, early age. It's just so important. Now, now we've, we've baptized folks here in their 90s, okay? So this is not to say anything that's exclusive. But I want you, to, want you to hear something. This comes from three different polls, three different sources, International Bible Society, the National Association of Evangelicals, and Barna Research, okay? So greatly respected Christian firms. It used to be that over eight out of ten people that came to faith in Christ did so below the age of 18. Just 10 years ago, that statistic was rechecked and has changed. It's now 64%. 64%. It went from 83% to 64%. That tells us we're losing ground. We're losing ground on our emphasis. 64% of people in those three surveys together accepted Christ before they were 18. 13% between 18 and 21. 23% after 21. But here's what I want you to hear. Among Christians that came to faith in Christ before their teen years, okay, 12 and below, of those who came to faith in Christ before they were 12 years of old, 50%, half of them, were led to faith in Christ by their parents. 20% on top of that came to faith in Christ through other relatives. So 70% of those, 12 and younger, came to faith in Christ because their family shared Jesus with them. 7 out of 10. Now listen to me. Only 7%, 7, only 7% came to faith in Christ because a minister had anything to do with it. Only 7%. 70% when the parents and family were involved. Ten times as much. Don't think bringing your kids to church is your substitute for having them share the gospel. Okay? They need to hear the gospel from you. You are much more strategically placed 
than I am or Debbie or Goody or, or Ed or Derek or Ben, any of us, okay? Understand that. And then of those 13 to 21, 13 to 21, 20% came to faith in Christ because of their parents, 20% because of a relative, 20% because of a close friend. 17% because of some event that we put on. But even 13 to 21, only 10% came to faith in Christ because a minister was involved. What does this tell us? Statistically, you have a much better chance of reaching people with the gospel than a professional minister does. It becomes imperative. 83% of all people who've made their faith in Christ have done so between the age of 4 and 14. That's now called the 414 window. The 414 window, which is the most strategic time to reach people for faith in Christ. So why are, are we doing this? Well, it's biblical. It's, it's also very, very, very strategic. But it's imperative. Let me bring it close to home for us here and say it's needed demographically. Right here in Union County, even though we were devastated by the Great Recession that happened in 07 and 08 and 09 and all that period of time, our county has continued to grow. And its growth, listen to me, its primary growth is not just in senior adults that are coming here because this is a retirement community. Listen to me. For all of those senior adults that want to come and retire here, there is an entire infrastructure underneath them providing them with all of the things that they want to do in retirement. What are those made up of? They're made up of families with kids at home. Our school system has grown annually, annually, having to add more teachers. I was told this past week that they have been enrolled over 60 in our high school that have just moved into our community. What does this tell us demographically? The head of our spear needs to be about these families. I love reaching senior adults. I are one, okay? I are one. And so it's easy to relate to people, you know, who've got the kids and the grandkids and the great-grandkids and such as that. It takes much more work to establish relationships and to go after younger families with children. But I have been impressed by God. I have been burdened by God to the point of tears. This is where we need to go. And so I challenge you, Many of you, about a hundred of you stood as our prayer warriors just a few weeks ago. Said, Brother Fred, we want to pray with you all the way through this thing. I'm calling you to prayer right now. Pray that God will help us find more and innovative ways to reach families with children. We might reach them by reaching the child first, but then that's our toe in the door to reach the rest of the family for Christ. And you know who's in the target range for your pastor? Who's, who's in the crosshairs for the pastor? That daddy that father, that grandfather. Because we know if that person ever gets sold into Jesus Christ, that family is going to be ours. Going to be along to the kingdom for all time and eternity. 
That's where we're going. Prayer warriors, pray with us for this. Got to share you a quick testimony that I'm done. Last Wednesday, um, for our kids starting back to school, Debbie had a big thing over here in our green space area for them called Paint War. Okay, and it was diluted paint that still is not going to come out of some of those shirts. I'm here to tell you, but. Anyway, they were all to, to, to wear, you know, white shirts. And they had these little squirt guns, and, and they would fill up the guns. they go shoot one another. I think Debbie got the worst of it, if not Goody. One of the two of them got the worst of it. But as she gathered them together, she didn't really have a devotional plan. But, but what she said was this, her, her, her wet and, 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 you know, multicolored shirt that she had on. She said, you know, we all started with clean white shirts on. But in the course of going through the life in this game, we've all gotten stained, haven't we? And that's what sin does. Sin stains us. Okay? And odds are your mommies and daddies are not going to be able to get the paint out of these shirts. But let me tell you what Jesus does. Jesus gives us a whole brand new shirt. Absolutely white and clean. When He takes our sins away. She told me on Thursday, she said, Brother Fred, I think that was about the lamest devotion I've ever done. But Thursday afternoon, Derek gets a call from a daddy. He says, my little boy came home with dripping wet with a painted shirt on. And say, Daddy, let me tell you how Jesus can give me a brand new white shirt. And he had the opportunity to take his son and lead that little boy to faith in Christ right there. That's what we're about. That's who we're targeting. That's the why. Reaching. Men and women, boys and girls of all ages, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, you may be one that is wearing one of those stained shirts. I'm here to tell you Jesus wants to give you a whole new robe, the robe of righteousness. He's taken your sins upon Himself when He died upon the cross. But when He rose again, it was to where He could give you His eternal life. And He wants to give you that life today. He wants you to have His eternal life today. How do I do that? Just like this precious little boy did. You can just say to God, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of forgiveness. I need a Savior. I ask You to come into my heart and cleanse me and forgive me of my sins. I want You to be the boss in my life, the boss in my heart. And the moment you make that prayer your own, the moment that becomes the desire of your heart and you sell out to that, Jesus comes in and He will cleanse you. He will do everything that you never thought was possible within you and set you on the road of eternal life. And some of you may need to make that decision today. Will you bow your heads? We're going to pray together. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Oh God, I thank You for the passion You're giving so many in our church family. To see more and more people come to faith in Christ. To see families eternally impacted. Because we cared enough to reach out and love on them. And share with them the gospel. But right here today, there are some adults, there are some children. That right here today, they need to ask you to come into their heart. To be the boss in their lives. To forgive them of their sins. They are longing to have a new life in you, Jesus. So right now, Holy Spirit, will you urge them to pray with me? Just in the depths of their heart, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, all of their mind, to pray with me. And just say this to you. Dear God, I confess to you I'm a sinner. 
I dare to believe when you died on the cross, it was to take my sins upon yourself. And when you rose again, it was so that I can have eternal life. Come into my heart. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Be the boss, the king, the ruler of my life. I give my heart to You. Lord, today there are men, there are women, there are children that long to make that prayer their own. Holy Spirit, will You make that happen today? Will You give them the courage to come down the aisle and, and take Tony or Eric by the hand or me and just say, I prayed with the pastor. Lord, do we want to rejoice with them. The angels are rejoicing. We want to rejoice too. Some may want to join our fellowship. Our prayer warriors may want to come and just continue to pray that, as they have for so long right here at the altar for what You're doing in our church family. Lord, this is Your time. As Ed leads us in this song, it's all about You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.